0: That was in the Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, November the 22nd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Today we'll be looking at the latest on Brexit, as Theresa May and Jean-Claude Juncker finalise Britain's exit package. We'll also run the rule over US retailers' hopes for the Thanksgiving weekend and examine signs of a potential weakening of the G7 line on protectionism. I'm Barney Thompson.
1: And I'm Katie Martin. And here's the news you need to start your day. Theresa May and Jean-Claude Juncker, the European Commission President, last night put the final touches to a political declaration on a future partnership, which will accompany Britain's binding withdrawal agreement. The declaration on future EU-UK ties is due, together with Britain's withdrawal treaty, to be formally approved by an EU summit on Sunday. Mrs May hopes that the declaration, which is non-binding, will help reduce Eurosceptic opposition to her deal in Westminster by making clear that the UK will not be yoked to Brussels over the longer term. The House of Commons will vote on the overall deal next month. For more on the deal, go to FT.com.
0: It's Thanksgiving in the US and retailers are hoping shoppers will go crazy over the holiday. Eric Krupke spoke to Fast FT reporter Mamta Badkar about the outlook for Black Friday and Cyber Monday.
2: So the good news for retailers going into the holiday season is that, for most of them, sales are going up. The bad news, however, is that the rise in sales is coming at the cost of earnings and the cost of their gross margins. Consumers are buying, yes, but they're buying at a discount, and how's that going to impact earnings?
1: And what's contributing to these trends?
2: There's a number of things. Um, Retailers have had to lower prices for a number of reasons because they're trying to lure in more customers. They're trying to stave off competition from online retailers. So they've had to lower prices, which in and of itself is going to lower earnings. Then you also see them investing in e-commerce to fight off competition from Amazon, for instance, right? And so anytime you're pouring money into developing these services, it's going to eat away somewhere. And so we're starting to see Margins drop and then there's concern because there's been a slight buildup of inventory and there's concern that if retailers don't manage to successfully move this inventory off their shelves that profit margins could be depressed going into the holiday season as well.
1: And the day after Thanksgiving is a really big shopping day in the U.S. Yeah. Um, it's known as Black Friday, and it's typically the beginning of a really crucial time for retailers. So what can we expect this year?
2: So. We've seen strong consumer spending. We've seen higher wage growth. Uh, the US economy is in pretty good shape. And so what that means is consumers are going out there and they're shopping. So the National Retail Federation estimates the holiday sales will rise as much as 4.8 percent to about 721 billion dollars over just November and December. emarketer is even more optimistic. they expect holiday sales to cross one trillion. Big picture, it looks good. Average consumers, um, the NRF estimates are going to spend $1,007.24 each. That's up about 4.1% from a year ago. So when you look at the overall big picture, it looks good. Consumers are willing to spend. But within that, there will always be winners
1: and losers. The G20's long-standing call to resist trade protectionism is in doubt ahead of its summit in Argentina, according to a leaked draft of the joint statement obtained by the Financial Times. The communique, which is still being negotiated and could change before the summit begins in Buenos Aires in a week's time, calls for countries to recognise the importance of the multilateral trading system and work to keep markets open and ensure a level playing field. But there is no explicit commitment to fighting protectionism, something that's been a staple of G20 pledges since the forum was created in 2008. The omission could help avoid a repetition of the friction between Donald Trump and fellow world leaders at last year's G20 summit in Germany. This year's G20 gathering will be dominated by trade tensions and by a meeting between Mr Trump and Xi Jinping, his Chinese counterpart. Mr Trump has turned Washington's trade policy on its head since taking office in early 2017, imposing tariffs on strategic allies ranging from Canada to Japan and the EU, and plunging the US into a commercial confrontation with China. The draft communique also includes much softer language on climate action than previous G20 statements, with a watered-down section on climate the result of lobbying by the US and Saudi Arabia, according to people familiar with the discussions.
0: And here's a story about the richest female executive you've probably never heard of. British businesswoman Denise Coates, the head of UK-based online gambling group Bet365, was paid £220 million last year. That makes her one of the world's highest remunerated executives. Co-founder and chief executive of Bet365, headquartered in the English city of Stoke-on-Trent, She has now amassed a net worth of $3.7 billion, according to the Forbes list of billionaires. With me to discuss this is Murad Ahmed, who has covered the story for the FT. So, Murad, betting, as we know, is a very lucrative industry. But tell us what makes Bet365 so successful?
3: Bet365 is successful because it came around at just the right moment in a big change in the industry, which is going online. Bet365 started as a chain of shops in Stoke-on-Trent, run by Denise Coates' father, actually. And she took that and she understood that the world was moving onto the internet and she invested a lot of time and money into transforming that business into an online player that was all around the world. It also had one other big benefit to it, which was that unlike most other bits of the internet where you see American giants, particularly if they're a global player, or you have national champions, say in China or somewhere else, very big countries, the US, China, India, had bans on online gambling. So the home of the online gambling industry became Europe and Bet365 got to benefit from that. £220
0: million, a lot of money. How does that salary compare to the world's other top executives?
3: Well, we think that she's definitely the best-paid executive in the UK. Sir James Dyson of Dyson, the inventions company, for want of a better term, is her closest rival here, being paid about £200 million worldwide. It's quite hard to know how she compares. The best we have is a list compiled by Bloomberg of the 2017 pay packets of publicly listed companies in the US where the biggest companies in the world are. Evan Spiegel from Snap, the internet giant, was paid half a billion in overall remuneration, which is not bad at all. But she's paid more than the likes of Elon Musk from Tesla and Sundar Pichai from Google. So she's uh, very much up there. But there is
0: a downside to this year's success, isn't there?
3: There is. One of the other things about Bet365 is that it is based in Stoke. It's a city in the Midlands. It's a relatively small place and Bet365 is by far and away the biggest employer there. Not only that, Bet365 owns the local football club, which until recently was in the English Premier League, a money-spinning football competition, one of the biggest sporting competitions in the world. But it got relegated last season and so will no longer be taking its share from that and indeed suffered a £20 million loss. So there could be some incremental losses going into the future to uh, Ms Coates' pay packet.
1: You can read more on all of these stories at ft.com. This has been your daily FT news briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news.